Hi everyone, welcome to this podcast from Cambridge Health Tech Institute for the Knowledge Foundation and CHI's 9th International Sample Prep Technologies Conference, which runs from June 25th to 26th in Bethesda, Maryland. I am Amit Zand, Associate Conference Producer at Cambridge Health Tech Institute. We have with us today one of our speakers at the conference, Dr. Patrick Herbin, Vice President of Research and Development at Expression Analysis, which is recently acquired by Quintiles. Dr. Urban joined Quintiles in 2012 as the Global Head of Genomic Research and Development upon the acquisition of Expression Analysis by Quintiles. He is responsible for the identification and implementation of new genomic capabilities for consulting and special projects and for the development and validation of genomic assays. These include broad based screening assays such as exome and RNA sequencing as well as microarray-based expression profiling and genotyping. Dr. Herbin has over 25 years of experience in molecular genetics, including over 15 years in positions of increasing responsibility in high-profile genomics-focused organizations. His research interests have focused on the genetic control of gene expression and have spanned diverse fields such as toxicology, developmental, and cancer biology. Dr. Herbin, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So the Sample Prep Technologies Conference is designed to cover and discuss the best practices in pre-analytical processing for uh, molecular diagnostics and biodetection applications. How do you think pre-analytical variables can impact the sensitivity of NGS assays? Well, they can have a tremendous impact. So here at EA Quintiles, we do a great deal of testing. It's all genomic testing. And we develop and validate a number of different assays. And the pre-analytical workflows, uh, really what happens to the sample before it comes to our facility have a lot to do with how we're going to design the assay, what we're going to expect of the assay, and the types of specific test cases that we'll include in our validation. So perhaps the most well-known example is the difference between frozen samples and formalin-fixed paraffin embedded samples. So with fresh frozen samples, uh, whether we're looking at RNA or DNA, we have a certain kind of presumption about the quality of the material, provided that that tissue or other type of sample was flash frozen and stored well prior to it coming to our facility. For a formalin fixed sample, on the other hand, we know that not only are the conditions of fixation going to be pretty rough on those nucleic acids and can lead to certain kinds of degradation, and as a result, we may, certain kinds of assays that we might use on fresh frozen samples just simply aren't going to work very well on those formalin fixed samples. And in addition, we can see that the exact conditions that are used for fixation and storage of those samples, or even if we have a paraffin block, if we cut the sample immediately or we cut the sample and then wait for a long time before we actually analyze it, all of those can have some pretty strong effects on uh, the types of results that we get. Ultimately, whether that result is a, an accurate reflection of the biology that we're really after in trying the sample. So we need to make sure that when we are developing an assay, we keep all of that in mind. and. If we're going to be getting different kinds of samples or if the intended use of an assay encompasses all of those different types of samples, it's, then it's really important that we include those parameters in our validation. So speaking of the NGS assays and based on your experience at Quintiles, how important are biospecimen quality requirements in the process of NGS validation? You know, they're tremendously important, but uh, I kind of look at it really from two perspectives. One is sort of the ideal perspective. The other is the more practical uh, perspective. I'll talk about the ideal perspective first, and that is 
you know, of course, for any sample that we analyze, we want it to be as high quality and as pristine as possible. So if we're looking at genomic DNA, we want it to be, you know, free of contaminants. We want it to be nice high molecular weight. And if it meets those kinds of requirements, almost any type of assay that we perform is going to be suitable with that type of material. And as we have more, say, contaminants that may be in that sample, or as we get higher levels of degradation or cross-linking, uh, or even base changes, the sorts of things that happen when you fix a sample in formalin, well, then, then we run into certain types of issues that we have to, you know, that cause us to be careful about how we interpret the data. So usually when we're developing an assay, we will certainly do some initial feasibility work using nice, intact, pristine samples that we have a lot of control over, not only from a sample quality standpoint, but also understanding the genomic content of that sample so we can understand whether our assay is returning a result that we would consider to be true or not. But that's where the practical side comes in because we know that uh, if you're collecting samples as part of a clinical trial or if you're accessing biobanks that have large collections of samples, the reality is, is that these samples are not going to be in pristine condition. And so what we have to understand is for a given assay and how we're going to use it, if we're going to use it, for example, for a retrospective analysis of a large collection of formalin fixed tissues, well, then one of the things we need to do is make sure that we specifically test formalin fixed tissues uh, as part of our validation and development process. And there, you know, I had an interesting uh, discussion with a vendor recently who provides us with a lot of formalin fixed tissues that we can use for these types of testing purposes, and they talked quite a bit about how wonderful and uniform their processes were in all of their different pathology labs so that they were able to provide us with very high-quality formalin fixed samples. And a question that I had for this uh, uh, gentleman was, well, can you provide me with some samples that have much lower quality? Because if I validate my assay using only your high-quality samples, then I'm not going to understand how well that assay performs in the real-world, lower-quality samples that I know I'm going to encounter when I actually use the test. So we have to think of quality from a number of different perspectives, how it's going to impact your assay, but we always have to be grounded in something very practical and understand that no matter how much we want perfect, pristine samples, that's just not what we're going to get when we actually go to testing. So that has to be part of your assay development and validation planning. We are excited to have you speak at the conference in June. Why are you planning to attend and present at the conference? And can you tell us a little bit about your expectations and what you're excited about the most at the upcoming conference? Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me. I mean, I'm, I'm really honored to be a part of the conference itself, not only as a participant, but uh, also as a speaker. It, I attended last year. It was a fabulous conference. I really got to meet some folks who were having the same you know, they're encountering the same types of issues we were, and, you know, very early in this discussion here today, you used a phrase that I think is emblematic of why I want to attend this conference and why I'm so excited about it, and that is best practices. All of us engaged in these types of assays and that are part of this field, we really want to utilize best practices because we want to be able to get the most out of the samples that we have. All of these assays that we run, many of them are, are you know, can be a kind of expensive, but really the most expensive thing is not the assay itself, but the idea that you could be wrong. So learning from your colleagues 
how best to go about this and just exchanging idea with some, ideas with you know, the experts in the field, people who have encountered the same issues and who have developed their own creative solutions. Just that kind of cross-fertilization you can get by gathering people who are really active in the field. I think that's what I'm really looking forward to. I got a great deal not only out of the podium presentations, but also out of just the ideas that can be exchanged during breaks between sessions and just sort of the uh, social interaction that I have with certain of my colleagues. So I'm really looking forward not only to the formal talks, but just the chance to uh, network with some folks who are really uh, working at the same sets of issues in the field. I really like being able to exchange ideas with them. That was Dr. Patrick Herbin, Vice President of Research and Development at Expression Analysis. He will be speaking at the upcoming 9th Annual Sample Prep Technologies Conference, taking place on June 25th and 26th in Bethesda, Maryland. If you would like to hear him in person, go to www.sampleprepconference.com for registration information and enter the key code PODCAST. I am Amit Zan, Associate Conference Producer. Thank you for listening.